So tonight is the, the topic of tonight is working with the aggregates and the, the khandas, which is the Pali term for aggregates, is the term that before the Buddha used it, it was a term that was meant pile or bundle or heap, mass or trunk of a tree. It didn't have any specific meaning that was particularly liberating until the Buddha used it in reference to the Four Noble Truths in the first sermon that he gave, which he spoke about the five grasping khanda, okay? And so when he was talking about the five grasping khanda, he was talking, he began to use this word in a a new way, as a way of illuminating how we can work with our own experience, how we can understand our own experience, and how we can release stress and suffering from our habitual ways of identifying things. So let's go back a little bit. This is all taking place in the context of the Satipatthana Sutta. So this is the part two series of the Satipatthana Sutta. And what we did in the first part of the series was we worked with the first three foundations of mindfulness. So the first foundation of mindfulness is the, where we're looking at body. And when we're looking at body, what we're looking at is understanding how to work with breath, how to work with posture, how to work with uh, movements, how to work with the 32 parts, how to work with the elements, and how to work with the, uh, the contemplations of the body decomposing. So this is all part of the first foundation of mindfulness. The second foundation of mindfulness is working with Vedana. And Vedana is feeling, but not in the um, classical, or not in the contemporary way that we understand feeling. Vedana is feeling in terms of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. And so when we look at this characteristic of mindfulness, then we begin to start separating out what are the... Normally what happens is we see something and we are affected by it, and there's desire because it's pleasant, or there's aversion because it's unpleasant, and the whole thing happens very fast, and all we know is, is that we want something or we don't want something, and we don't have a lot of capacity to get in there and take apart what has actually just happened. So when we look at Vedana and work with it as a meditation object, we can begin to see the arising of pleasant, the arising of unpleasant, the arising of neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And with each of these, there's going to be a certain tendency. So when the arising of pleasant feeling comes, then there's naturally the tendency to grasp. When there's the arising of unpleasant feeling, then there's naturally the tendency to push away. And when there's the neither pleasant nor unpleasant feeling, that that's the time when we tend to space out and zone out, or we want to start imagining or fantasizing something else. But when we start looking at that as an object of meditation, then we begin to get more skill and resource with just these simple things, which are inevitable with contact. Okay? So the first foundation is body, and the second foundation is Vedana. The third foundation is working with the contents of our mind. You know, the wanting, the desire, the frustration, the exalted states, the, all of that. The working with the contents of the mind. And in the third foundation of mindfulness, there isn't a judgment about what contents of mind are good and what contents of mind are not good. There's just the recognition that they need to be known and seen for what they are. 
This class, or this series of classes, is on the fourth, fourth foundation of mindfulness, and that looks at uh, what we are experiencing in terms of specific groupings. So we had last week the grouping of the hindrances, looking at things in terms of the desire or ill will or doubt or restlessness that arises in our mind. This week we're working with it in terms of the aggregates. There's also working with it in terms of the seven factors of enlightenment, in terms of the six sense bases, in terms of the four noble truths. And so each of these groupings is a particular frame of reference to work with what's arising. So tonight we're working with the aggregates, which fits in this larger sphere of the second of the of the of the four foundations of mindfulness, and we're on the, the fourth foundation, working with it in terms of groupings of Dhamma, in terms of how we can relate to our experience. So when we go to what the aggregates actually mean, they are comprised of form. So we saw that in the first foundation. Feeling, we saw that in the second foundation. And then perception, which is not something that we have seen so far. Mental formations and consciousness. Now perception is the ability to recognize something Okay, It's the shape, the color, the texture, the form. That's the perception. And the mental formations is very complicated because it has many, many, many different layers and meanings and applications. When we look at the first sermon, when the Buddha used this term, the clinging khandas, he referred to these psychological khandas time and time again. And when the Buddha was answering the question, what is a person, what am I, what is my real self, he would refer to the khandas as the way of answering these questions or these questions. So he didn't come up with a, um, an answer to these questions separate from the description of the khandas. So when we come back to the bigger picture of what the Buddha taught, the Buddha taught really only two things. He taught that there was suffering, and he taught that there's an end of suffering. And everything that he used was part of his supportive mechanisms to describe where there's suffering and where there's an end of suffering. So when we look at the khandas, it was used to answer the primary questions, what is suffering, how is it caused, and what can it be done to bring these causes to the end. And in the first sermon, suffering is described as the five clinging khandas, and the khandas are described as burdensome, like something like as if we were carrying a heavy load of bricks on our shoulders. So these piles are best understood not as objects, but as activities. So form is the form which covers the physical phenomena of all sorts, and the form wears down or deforms. Feeling, one feels pleasure, one feels pain, and one feels neither pleasure nor pain. Perception labels or identifies objects. Consciousness cognizes each of the six intellect and sense bases. So there's a consciousness which recognizes touch, smell, 
sound, taste, sight, and mental consciousness. So there's the consciousness that knows thoughts. There's the consciousness that knows sight. So consciousness is the that arises with each sense contact. And the fabrication, or the sankara, is the most complicated, and it, it concludes a whole variety of things. It includes attention, evaluation, the active processes of the mind, and because it includes intention, it is the most fundamental kanda. Because when we're looking at this process of the cause of suffering and the end of suffering, we have to recognize that there is in the cause of suffering the intention of how we are placing our attention and what we're doing with it. And when we are able to understand that, not just as a conceptual idea, but as a direct experience, then we can see that right there, if we shift our intention, then that is how we can find an end to suffering. So, intention ends up being fundamental. To understand how these khandas become clinging khandas, we need to focus attention on something that arises that's attractive. So let's just imagine um, that we have the opportunity of being in a cooler room. And so what happens is when we are, when we are exposed to something that is delightful or pleasurable, our, um, there's the feeling of pleasant that arises, so that's Vedana. There's the perception of coolness that arises. But with that perception of coolness and the feeling comes the ability to start identifying with this whole um, composite of body, feeling, and perception. As this is my experience, I am now cool. Or I want to have control over the coolness. I want to own it. I want to have control over my body. So what we need to recognize, and this is the fundamental key, is, is that the khandas arise, but what makes it difference between them arising and then becoming clinging khandas or clinging aggregates is the identification, the ownership, the possession of what it is that we're experiencing. So we can have feelings, we can have thoughts, we can have emotions, we can have perceptions, but if we are not identifying with it, then there's no suffering. When we are identifying with it, then there is suffering. So it's the identification and it's the intention underneath the identification which is the key, the fundamental key to the path of ending suffering. So the sense of me and my is very static. It changes, it expansive, it contracts, and it can view itself as identical with the khandas or as having a khanda existing within itself. Whether the, it is a sense is infinite or finite, it, or finite, it's very unstable and insecure. For the khandas providing food are simply activities and functions which are insubstantial and inconstant. 
The khandas are like a foam, they're like bubbles, they're like a mirage. And they are heavy because they are clung to. When they are not clung to, they come and go as they are in their own time and there is no problem. So when you look at this in terms of the analogy of how to deal with something where there's an addiction, it's usually that a person needs to transition from what they are addicted to into intermediary, slightly more positive substances or more positive behaviors. And the same is true with the constant identification and clinging with me and mine. And so in order to reach or before reaching, giving up intention altogether, one focuses one's attention on the khandas in order to change their function. Instead of using them to create a sense of self, we use them to create a path to end suffering. Establishing a steady focus, using the well-being that comes from concentration, to attend to the drawbacks that comes from grasping supports the mind being able to change one's focus. And in this way, one experiences the peace of letting go. And so when one changes the focus from identifying with whatever is arising to me and mine and uses one's intention to look at how things are inconstant or stressful or changing, or not ultimately satisfying, then that intention brings the possibility of coming into a relationship with what's arising in a way where there's more peace. There's less grasping. There's less identification. And there's more an ability to be with what's arising and let it go without the same kind of grasping, clinging, and identification. All right? What I want to do is I want to read this Ballad of Liberation from the Khandas, which is something that Ajahn Mun wrote. So Ajahn Mun is one of the most uh, renowned, remarkable uh, forest meditation masters of, I don't know when he lived, but last hundred years. And he wrote very few things, I think maybe two things in his entire life. And some things were written by other people about what he said, but this is something that he wrote himself. And it's rich, so just read it and let it kind of move through you. And we've got handouts that have the link of this on it, so that if you want to read it again and again, you can. Okay? The Ballad of Liberation from the Khandas. Namatu Sugatasa Panchadama Kandani. I pay homage to the one well gone, the foremost teacher, the Sakyan sage, the rightly self-awakened one, to the nine transcendent Dhammas and to the noble Sangha. I will now give a brief exposition of the Dhammakandas as far as I understand them. Once there was a man who loved himself and feared distress. He wanted happiness beyond the reach of danger. So he wandered endlessly. Wherever people said that happiness was found, he longed to go. But wandering took a long, long time. He was the sort of man who loved himself and really dreaded death. He truly wanted release from aging and mortality. Then one day he came to know the truth. 
Abandoning the cause of suffering in compounded things, he found a cave of wonders of endless happiness, i.e. the body. He gazed throughout the cave of wonders. His suffering was destroyed. His fears appeased. He gazed and gazed around the mountainside, experiencing unbounded peace. He feared if he were to go and tell his friends, he'd say he'd gone insane. He'd better stay alone, engaged in peace, abandoning his thoughts of contact, than to roam around a syncophant, both criticized and flattered, exasperated and annoyed. But then there was another man, afraid of death, his heart all withered and discouraged. He came to me and he spoke frankly, in a pitiful way. He said, you have made an effort at your meditation for a long time now. Have you seen it yet, the true Dhamma of your dreams? How is it that he knows my mind? He asked me to stay with me, so I agreed. I will take you to a massive mountain with a cave of wonders, free from suffering and stress, mindfulness immersed in the body. This is the first foundation of mindfulness. You can view it at your leisure to cool your heart and end your troubles. This is the path of the noble lineage. It is up to you or not. I am not deceiving or compelling you, just telling you the truth for what it is. And then I challenged him with these riddles. First, I asked, what runs? What runs quickly is vinyana. Vinyana is consciousness of the khandas. Movements walking in a row, one after another, not doubting that sanya's perception are right. The heart gets caught up in the running back and forth. Sanyas grab hold of things outside and pull them in to fool the mind, making it think in confusion, go out searching, wandering astray. They fool it with various dhammas like a mirage. What gains total release from the five khandas? The heart, of course, and the heart alone. It doesn't grasp, it doesn't get entangled. No more poison of possessiveness, no more delusion, it stands alone. No sanyas can fool it into following along behind them. When they say there's death, what dies? Sankaras, the compounded things. Sankaras die, destroying their effects. What connects the mind into the cycle? The tricks of sanya or perception make it spin. The mind goes wrong because it trusts its sanya, its perceptions. Attached to its likes, leaving this plane of being, going to that, wandering till it's dizzy, forgetting itself, completely obscure to itself. No matter how hard it tries to find the Dhamma, it can't catch a glimpse. What ferrets out the Dhamma? The heart ferrets it out, trying to find out how sanyas or perceptions stay good and grasp at bad and force it to fasten on to loving and hating. Eat once and never look for more. The end of wanting to look, to know, to hope for knowing more, the end of entanglements, the mind sits still on its dais, discarding its attachments, a four-sided pool brimming full. The end of desire, abandoning doubt, clean, without a moat, and danger-free. Sanyas settle out, perceptions settle out, sankaras or formations, intentions don't disturb it. 
the heart is thus brimming with nothing lacking. Quiet and still, the mind has no lamenting thoughts, something worth admiring day after day. Even if one were to gain heaven, heavenly trillion treasures by the millions, they'd be no match for the true knowing that abandons all sankaras. The last crucial thing, the ending of desire. Labels stay in their own sphere and don't intrude. The mind, unenthralled with anything, stops its struggling. Take a mirror to look at your reflection. Don't get attached to the sanyas, which are like the image. Don't get intoxicated with the issues of sankaras. When you, the heart moves, you can catch sight of the unadulterated heart. If you know for sure that the movement is in yourself because it changes, inconstancy is a feature of the heart itself. No need to criticize anyone else. You know the different sorts of khandas in the moving of the mind. Before, I used to think that sanyas, a perception with the heart, labeling outer and inner, which was why I was fooled. Now the heart's in charge with no concerns, no hopes of relying on any one perception at all. Whatever arises or passes away, there are, there's no need to be possessive of sanyas or try to prevent them. And so it goes. So this is uh, Ajahn Man's ballad of the Khandas, and there's more of this, but I don't want to spend more time because it's enough to absorb just here.